comes to the name of the God that we are here to worship, the God of Yahweh in the Old Testament, there's everything you will ever need when it's the name of the I Am God. And we see that He progressively, progressively reveals His name. And so you can literally take the names of God and watch how God progressively reveals Himself. It doesn't mean that those names weren't found previously uh, it just means that as you read through the Bible, if you've ever read through the Bible from beginning to end, you will see that there's a progression to all these individual books. So in Genesis 1 through 11, we see Elohim, the mighty God, the creator God, the, the majestic maker of everything. And then you come to Genesis 12 and you get Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he reveals himself, especially to them, as El Shaddai, the mountain mover, often translated God Almighty. But you come then to Exodus. And really, it goes from Exodus to Malachi for the rest of the Old Testament. You get that special name of God, that name that we're studying, the name that is often translated Yahweh or Lord in all caps in your Bible that means I am who I am. And I already got an email this past week of someone that had taken up my suggestion from last week. As you read through your Bible, as you do your devotions, and you come across Lord in all caps, or sometimes it's God in all caps because Lord precedes it, and so it says Lord God, Lord Yahweh, just stop a moment, think about what you're learning here, and then uh, realize he's saying, I am, I am who I am. And that's how it goes through the rest of the Bible. And we saw last week that the I am God means I am self-sufficient. I'm personal. I am life. I am unchanging. I am reality. I am your necessity. I am trustworthy. I am holy. And so what I want to do is to kick off for our worship is just do a little worshiping here. So, Vicki, if you'd get that uh, light, I want you to uh, just enjoy this worship song and join your hearts with it, and uh, you can sing. You can do whatever you want. Just worship our I Am God.
Wow. Amen? Man, not quite up to the level of Kirk, but nonetheless, it still stirs my heart. And uh, I hope that you just worship, worship. But here's my prayer. As much as music and singing coming into my heart helps me to worship, uh, the Bible says that we're, when we're in tune and walking with the I Am God, this kind of song, this kind of worship, this kind of melody comes forth out of our hearts and joins into that. So if, if, that, if you didn't connect with that, you need to first ask, well, you know, maybe I haven't connected with the God that it's singing about. And so that's my hope, that's my prayer, that you will be able to worship the great I Am. Now, how is this great I Am God Revealed in the New Testament. We've, we've gone all the way from Genesis to, Rev, uh, to uh, Malachi. But what happens in the New Testament? How is he revealed? Well, you see in your notes, it picks up right, off, right where the Old Testament lives, uh, leaves off. And here it is. How is the I Am God revealed in the New Testament? Yahweh is progressively revealed to be Jesus. He is progressively revealed to be Jesus the Son of God, the I Am God is Jesus. Now, I could have started this series and just said that to you, and you would think, well, it just starts in the New Testament, but it doesn't start in the New Testament. Everything we've been studying leads up to and is fulfilled and completed in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, it says this in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, long ago, at many times, and in many ways. Okay, and if you read through the Old Testament, you know, many times, in many ways, long time ago, for more than 4,000 years ago, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom you've appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. There's Elohim. He is the radiance and the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. And after making purification for our sins on the cross, He sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, El Shaddai, God Almighty, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus is the fulfillment. He is Elohim. He is El Shaddai. He is Yahweh. He is the I Am. So here's what I want to do today. I want to take you from Matthew to Revelation. And I want to show you seven ways, seven ways that the New Testament reveals Jesus is the I Am God. Now, I want to do that for a couple reasons. One, that's just the way I am. Number two, that's the way God has gifted me. And to do contrary to what God shaped and made me as a teacher of His Word. But there's something for you. So I, don't, I not only get fulfilled today, but you're going to get fulfilled. You're going to get blessed. And here's why. You can go into these I am statements. I am the bread. I am the light. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And 
And we're going to see that he's everything we need. And and we're going to really focus on what our needs are and how he meets those needs. And we can begin to think that Jesus was just kind of walking around the hillsides one day and started thinking, you know, it'd be cool to be a great communicator that uses some cool illustrations to get across who I am. Bread. Man, these guys are always hungry. I'm the bread. Hey, these guys are always confused walking in darkness. I'm the light. And that's part of what he's doing, but it's something much, much more. He is saying powerful statements that are rooted in the beginning of creation and even beyond that into the very essence of who God was. And so when he says, I am, we tend to focus on bread and light and I am the way, truth, all those things. And we forget the beginning part. I am. I am. And I never want you to get the idea that somehow the God of the Old Testament is this bad, mean, angry guy. And the God of the New Testament is this loving, tender, gentle Jesus. They are the same. They are the same. And when you get one, you get the other. And if you don't take one, you don't get the other. And so I want you to be rooted in a revealed faith and not just your current needs. So there's my justification. You will have to see if it's justified. Seven ways that the New Testament reveals the I am God. Number one, the great conception. The great conception of the I am God. We We call it the miracle of the virgin birth, but it's really more accurately the miracle of the virgin conception. Jesus was conceived in a miraculous way. A human mother But the Holy Spirit himself conceived the child within her. And therefore, we see the great conception of the I am God. And as Laura and Scott and Gwen and I and you, when you had your children uh, agonized or rejoiced or researched or threw a dart at the wall, I don't know how you did it, you put time into picking the name of your child. And God, when the Son of God was born, a child that he conceived supernaturally, he made sure that Jesus was named appropriately, accurately, and as God intended, not as Joseph, which would have been the cultural thing. In that culture, the dad got to pick the name. Well, the dad picked the name. Okay, so let's look at it. Matthew 1, 21 through 23. Matthew 1, 21 through 23. So here we are, Matthew 1. I mean, we've gone to uh, uh, Genesis to Malachi. Now we're picking up very first book, very first chapter of the New Testament. 21 through 23. And here's what it says. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name, say it with me, Jesus. For, now this is why, he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. That is the prophet Isaiah. Ironically, the God, the, the prophet who reveals probably more about the I am God than any prophet is the one that predicted the birth of Christ. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive. There it is, the great conception and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel. Jesus is the same as Emmanuel. God is with us in the person of Jesus. 
But what does Jesus mean? Jesus means this. The Lord is salvation. The Lord in all caps is salvation. What is Jesus' name? Now, this I hope this rocks your world. Jesus' name is I am who I am is salvation. I am is salvation. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Now, Jesus was a common name. You know, those that are critics of the Bible, those who want to disbelieve the Bible, those who want to bring Jesus down from who he is to a conception that that they can control and manage and and, and to a mere human, they want to say, well, er, you know, everybody was named Jesus. Maybe uh, this is just kind of a story about how Joseph and Mary wanted to put a little special attachment to their son. And they, you know, Jesus, many people had this name. Why? Because it's the Old Testament name, Joshua. Joshua means the Lord is salvation. Jesus is the Greek term for the Hebrew term, Joshua. The Lord is salvation. A lot of people had the name Jesus in this time. Just like in other cultures today, a lot of people have the name Jesus. Same thing. But Jesus was not just anyone. Jesus was not just a man. Look in Luke 1, 29 through 37. Again, the first chapter of one of the first Gospels. Luke chapter 1, 29 through 37. He wasn't just a man. And he didn't just take this name as a nickname or or pointing to God. It was also a name pointing to himself. Notice what happens. But when she saw him, the angel, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive, there's the great conception, in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name, say it with me, Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob and and of his kingdom there will be no end. Again, people could say, well, those are just heaping up uh, uh, spiritual names on a very human individual. But notice the next verse. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? How can I conceive something without the seed of a man? Luke 31, 35, and the angel answered to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And then in Luke 2, 21, eight days after Jesus was completed, uh, eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child. His name was called, say it with me, Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. In the womb. Here is the great conception. Now, you've got to think through this. What's this mean? This means simply this, that whenever Mary called Jesus out from playing in the yard to come in and wash his hands before he ate, you would cry out, I am is salvation. Get in here. I am is salvation. Anytime anyone would cry out or address Jesus, they are saying to him, I am is is salvation. Every time we say at the end of our prayers, In the name of Jesus, we are saying, in the name of the I am who is salvation. 
And it's true of him like no other person with the name Jesus or Jesus in that culture. It is true of him because he was God. He was Elohim. He is El Shaddai. And therefore he is, I am, is salvation. But it was more than just a name. And it's more than something that we just have to take by the the word of just, just the Bible. Jesus proved it and confessed it himself. That's the second thing I want you to see. The second way that Jesus is revealed as the I am God in the New Testament is the great confession of I am. The great confession of I am. Because, you know, it'd be easy to say, well, you theologians, you pastors, you missionaries, you can make the Bible say anything you want. No, Jesus himself clearly identified himself. Now, I am in Greek, I'm going to give you a little Greek lesson because it's just a fun little phrase to say, and it's so important. Just as Yahweh is important, Here's how you say it in Greek. Ego, ami. Let go of my ego. Ego, ami. Let's all say that together. Ego, ami. Ego, ami. Now you can say, I know a little Greek, besides the guy down the street that owns the restaurant. You know a little Greek, Robert. Ego, ami. And that word and that wording is so emphatic because really what it's saying, I, even I, am. So all these verses that we're now going to look at, have this Greek in there, ego, ami, I, even I, am. It's very emphatic, it's very forceful, and to the ears of the Jewish people of that day, who knew their Bible, when Jesus said, ego, ami, I, even I, am, they knew exactly where to go. They knew exactly what he meant. And I hope, I hope that in a small way, though we're not Hebrew, we're not Jewish, and some of you are just now getting to know your Bible, I hope these last few lessons will help you know that when Jesus says, I am, I, even I am, you know a little bit better what that means. So let's take a look at it. It's in John 8, 24. So turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John and look at John 8. And this is the the most critical of these these points that we're going to look at. So I, I want to explore this just a little bit more than the other ones so that you can see. It's the Great Confession. In fact, in your Bibles, this paragraph may be titled, Before Abraham Abraham Was, I Am, and because it's so evident. John 8, 24 says, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe I am He, you will die in your sins. Now, we read that and we just slip over, yeah, unless you believe I am He, yeah, He's Jesus, He's my Savior, I know, I know, I know. But we don't know. And they didn't... They couldn't, they knew what he meant, but they couldn't believe it. Listen to what he's saying. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am. Leave that he off. In many Bibles, it's in italics because the translators are adding it to make it more sense with the, the English translation. You can leave that off and, and, and it just that I am. Yes, I am. In the NIV, I am the one I claim to be. In fact, in the New Living Translation, it's in all caps. I am. Listen to it. That is why I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am, all caps, who I claim to be, you will die in your sin. The point is, these translators, our Bible is trying to make the point, Jesus is making the point very clear. Look, unless you believe that Jesus is the I am God of the Old Testament, you will die in your sin. You will die in your sin. I'm not just a prophet. I'm not just a good teacher. I am 
the true and living God. I am who I am. Then in John 8, 28, drop down to John 8, 28. Man, this is powerful. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. Wow. And that I do nothing on my own authority, for I speak just as my Father taught me. And as you look through these translations, <coughs> they, they try to bring out the idea of, of the implication, I am. And then finally, look at John 8.58. It climaxes in John 8.58. Jesus said, you know, these other two, okay, maybe he's saying I am he, I'm the one I claim to be. He's not really saying that he's Yahweh. Well, in John 8.58, you cannot escape it. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I am self-existent. I am the life. I am all those things we studied last week. Before Abraham was ever conceived, ever born, ever took a breath, I am. And I still am. Wow. That's just powerful stuff. So let's work our way through it a little bit. Look at John 8, uh, 52 through 59. So let's, let's kind of work our way through it and look at the controversy. The Jews said to Jesus, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Great. That, they, they got it. They're like, you're, 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 you're just slowly, progressively leading us down this path to one inescapable conclusion, you, you are claiming to be the I am God. You're claiming to be God. Who do you make yourself out to be? Well, here's the thing. Jesus wasn't making himself out to be anyone. He was simply confessing who he really was. So notice what he says. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. In other words, if I'm just claiming to be God, I'm a, I'm a crazy person, and crazy people do claim that. Okay. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say He is our God. Look, if you believe in the true God, the true God is the one who says, I am God. But you have not known Him. I know Him. If I were to say to you that I did not know Him, I would be a liar like you. Whoa. We sometimes forget that Jesus was pretty confrontational and direct and rather impolite towards those who did not believe. But I do not know him. But, but I do know him. Oh, stone me. I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Whoa, how could Abraham, who lived thousands of years earlier, see Jesus? Well, because the I am God revealed himself to him, and the I am God is Jesus. Wow. So the Jews said to him, you're out of your mind. You're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. You see how they're just, they're so tied to physical, literal thinking. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I am who I am. Now, these people unlike modern people that criticize the Bible and 
are, uh, you know, deciding, you know, really set on making sure that Jesus remains human, they understood exactly what he meant because notice the next verse. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself or was hidden and went out from the temple. Why did they stone him? Because the Bible says anybody that blasphemes God needs to be stoned. He was blaspheming God by claiming to be God. He not only said the I am, that sacred name, he said it and claimed it and confessed it for himself. We must kill you. You are a blasphemer. When in fact, they were the liars and he was the truth teller. Now, what's that mean? Three things. Consider three parts of this confession. Number one, the confession is revealed. I am the I am God. There never was a time. There was a time when Abraham was born like all people and came into existence. There was a time when he died and now he's, he's thought of as in the past. But there never was a time when the Son of God was never God. Now, there's a time when Jesus was born, but God became man. There's never a time when the Son of God was not. I am He. Then you see the confession rejected. They want to stone Him for blasphemy. They didn't miss it. They understood what He was doing. They knew who He claimed to be. Now, why do you throw stones at someone? Why do people throw stones? You throw them to drive away what we don't like. Or don't accept. We, thro we throw stones to hurt what we hate. And we throw stones to judge what is evil. And this is what they were doing. They hated that Jesus claimed to be God. They wanted to drive him away. They wanted to judge him for being evil. But notice the consequences received. Jesus was hidden from them. Jesus was hidden from them. Here you got the greatest statement of who Jesus is. Before Abraham was, I am. They reject him, and the result is Jesus was hidden and went out from the temple. Now, what's, what's interesting about that? Don't miss this. If we reject Jesus as the I am God, God is hidden from us. And he is hidden in judgment. God was doing two things there, divinely protecting his son and divinely judging those who rejected his son. Listen, you say, I, I, I think God's pretty cool, but Jesus, he was great too, but he wasn't God. God is, will hide himself from you. God is hidden from you. Because the only way you can truly know and see God is in the person of Jesus, the I am God. Now, you may say, I'm still not sure. He claims this, but does he live up to his claims? Number three, the great clarification of the I am God. The great clarification. Okay, he's conceived, you have his conception, you have his confession, but can he back up his words? Because there's all sorts of people that you can say anything. I can say I am God, and if I do, you need to say back that up. Show me. What can you do? Show me your Elohim. Show me that you're El Shaddai. Show me that you're the majestic maker of all things. Create something. Out of nothing. Show me that you're the mountain mover. Move some obstacles in my life. Change some hearts. Well, here's what happens. The great clarification is what we're going to be studying now for the next seven weeks. These seven I am statements in John's gospel clearly reveal Jesus to be the I am God of the New Testament. Now, obviously, we're not going to be able to go through these. A lot of these passages we're going to go through in the next seven weeks. But I took the time this week to delve in, and here are the key passages of the entire Old Testament 
that line up with each one of these I am statements. Now, if you want to do a little devotional study, if you want to get closer to God and you want to explore some cool things about how the old and the new fit together, then you take the, these passages as we teach through these lessons in the weeks to come and you look up the Old Testament part of it because it just gets so cool. He's not walking along a hillside saying, hey, I think I'll be bred. I want to be a great communicator. Everybody's saying Jesus is this great communicator because he uses these great illustrations and all these parables. Yes, he was. That's not why he's using them. That's not the only reason. That's not the main reason. The reason he's doing is way back, God said and used pictures of bread in the Old Testament. The bread of his presence that sat before the Holy of Holies and represented God's presence in the midst of His people was a literal loaf of bread. And now Jesus is saying, I am the bread. There in the Holy of Holies, there was the menorah, the seven candlesticks that lighted and were lit and were continually burnt before God to show in that darkened Holy of Holies. There was no other light in that Holy of Holies. They didn't have electricity. Right, they had no switches. It was a lamp that was continually burning. And Jesus says, I am that light. The, the door and the good shepherd. Oh my, the, 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 there's, uh, Abraham was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. These guys understood shepherds. We are clueless. They were, they understood. And he's saying, I am the greater shepherd than Moses, than Abraham, than David, life, way, the truth. Look at the book of Proverbs, the true vine. I mean, we're going to go through all these. All I'm trying to say is this. They understand, they understood each one of these word pictures. And they knew them to point to the great I am God of the Old Testament. And all Jesus is coming on the scene and he says, I want to clarify something to you. There's been a change. There's been a further revelation. And I am what you have longed for. I am what you have heard preached. I am what you have never seen. Do you realize that these people had never seen the bread of his presence? Because who could only enter the Holy of Holies? The priest. Only the priest. They had to take God's word and the word of the priest that there was actually bread in there. They had to take the word of the priest that there was actually a seven light that never went out. Because God was separated. He's so holy, He was separated from His people because their sin separated them from God. And until someone dealt with the sin of God's people, they couldn't enter into that presence and see the light and eat the bread. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to clear away the distance. I'm going to remove the separation between you and your God. I'm going to bring you into that presence. And it's going to be better than what they ever had. They ate physical bread, the priests, in the presence of God. We get to feed spirit. Oh, anyway, next seven weeks. Got it? Now, you would think after the great conception, you would think after the great confession, and you would certainly think after these miraculous clarifications and statements of Jesus, I am who I am, there would be a great reception. But reception doesn't begin with R. And so that's not what happened. No, I'm just joking. Number four, the great crucifixion of the I am God. 
the great crucifixion. They did not receive Him. They did not believe Him. The nation of Israel rejected Him. And so you have the great crucifixion of the I Am God. And this is just so amazing that in John 18 and in Mark 14, you have three different times right before He's going to be crucified that Jesus says, I Am. Wow. Look at John 18, uh, 4 through 9. John 18, 4 through 9, at the arrest in the garden, when Jesus is done praying, Judas sneaks in, betrays him with a betrayal kiss. The Roman and the, uh, the uh, Jewish guards, temple guards, arrest Jesus. But before they do, they need to make sure who it is that they're arresting. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, knowing, knowing he was God, he knew came forward and said to them, the people that were there to arrest him, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. See, a human, a rebel rouser, a lousy Jewish person that's causing trouble in the Roman kingdom. Jesus said to him, I am. Now again, I am he, but it's ego a me. He says, who are you looking for? We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, you're going to get more than what you think. You're going to get Jesus of Nazareth, who is, I am who I am. Now, this is cool. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, this is just like, they're there to arrest him. They're there to arrest him. They have swords, they have, they have power, they have authority. Jesus is a rabbi, he has no protection. And his lousy uh, disciples, they're going to all run off. He's going to be alone. Who are you looking for? I'm looking for Jesus of Nazareth. I am. Woo! Boom. They're flat on their faces. And what's funny is, think through. What, what's cool about the Bible is not what's said, what's left unsaid for you to think through. The last time we see him, they're face down. He's saying, I am who I am. The next time, they're arresting him. How funny is that? They have to pick themselves up and then approach this guy, arrest him, knowing that they have absolutely no power, no ability to do so unless he allows them. Jesus, knowing what was going to take place, allows himself to be arrested. Not the last time. He's, he's taken to trial in the mi middle of the night. He's arrested in the middle of the night. They take him directly to the Jewish high priest. At his trial, before the Jewish high priest, Jesus says again, I am. Listen to verse 61 of Mark 14. But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, Ego eimi, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right of power, coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. Why? He simply confessed who he really was. I am. I am. John 18, he does the same thing before uh, the Roman Pilate. So Jesus confesses to be the I am God. For the Jewish people, for the Roman people, for everyone, for you and me. Now, how do we know that he really is? Number five, the great confirmation of the I am God. 
There is the great confirmation, which is His resurrection. The great confirmation. You can claim it. You can be killed for it. But are you really the I am God? If you are, you need to raise from the dead. And that's exactly what He did. Here comes Easter this month. We're going to celebrate the I am God. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. He resurrects in John 20. He has been resurrected in John 20. And you have doubting Thomas, who is like us. He had his doubts. He had his questions. And he said, unless I see his hands, in his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. John 20. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with him. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, you're here today. Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus had been there the other time. They just couldn't see him. Jesus is here today and he hears our disbelief and he wants to reveal himself to us. Thomas answered. By the way, Thomas didn't poke and pick. He didn't need to anymore. God had granted, Jesus had granted faith to his heart. He says, my Lord and my God. It couldn't be any clearer. You are the I am of the Old Testament. You are not just Jesus, my great teacher. You are Jesus, my great God, the great confirmation. Well, then we come to number six, the great commission. Did you say, what's this all about? What are, what are we supposed to do in our lives? You know, how, how's this practical to me? Well, this great I am God says in Matthew 28, he gives us that great commission that we're supposed to go and tell everybody who Jesus really is, that he's the I am God. But here's the promise. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, listen, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, he's not saying there and making it clear like he was in the other passages. But please understand, the Jesus who's with us, he is I am. I am with you. And then you find number seven, the great consummation of the I am God. The great consummation comes in the book of Revelation. And I won't take the time to read those passages of Scripture, but the the book of Revelation is really cool because it justifies my teaching this lesson this way. Because when you see the book of Revelation, John assumes you understand who the God of the Old Testament is, and he applies it directly to Jesus. And here's how it ends. The last book of the Bible, Revelation 22, 12 through 14. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, my judgment, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the first and the last, the beginning of the end. We saw that's what God claimed in the Old Testament. Jesus is that one. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to eat of the tree of life that they may enter the city by the gates. Jesus is the I am God. Let him be there for you. I want you to watch this video. And just think through the picture of what we've seen. The breath of life in Exodus, the Passover lamb, the bitter kiss, he's our high priest. Numbers, the fire by night, do the 
Moses' voice in Joshua hears salvation shores. Judges, lawgiver, and youth, the kindred redeemer, first and second Samuel, a trusted prophet, kings and chronicles, he sovereign, that's why true and faithful is For real. 
excited about that. Amen? Amen. He says, I am, and we should respond with, He is. He is. I hope you can say that, and He will enable you to do so. Father, we come, and we rejoice in who You are, and we rejoice that You have revealed Yourself in the person of Jesus as the I am God. I pray, Lord, that we will be uh, curious, that we will be convicted, that we will be challenged and convinced to draw near to you, for you have drawn near to us in the person of Jesus. And I pray that we will step up a level in our worship of you, in our living for you, and that we will go forth into our community, go forth into this month thinking he is, he is the I am who I am. He is my Lord and Savior. He is Jesus. Yahweh is salvation. In your name we pray. Amen.